Thanks, everyone. Uh, please enjoy the sound of the bell as it invites us uh, to sit for a few minutes together. It's a, a rare and wonderful thing to come together in order to be very still and very silent. <clears throat> so often we think of going off on our own in order to be quiet and peaceful. The kind of solitude that takes our own space. But it's quite a different thing to turn toward each other and actually come close. Even in this way. to enter the silence and stillness together. And what seems like doing nothing, but ends up being something so essential. All of our activity and plans drop away, at least from action. They may still be swirling in your mind or stirring in your heart or your body. 
And as this activity softens and drops away, and we become a bit quiet and still, we have the opportunity to more intimately and delicately notice what arrives on its own. What's actually here together. And although many things arrive, as we continue to sit in silence and stillness together, in a gentle contemplative space, we also maybe begin to experience that space as much as what arrives. Of course, our thoughts continue. Our aches and pains or concerns may still be there. Our heart might be heavy or there may be worries, even joys of anticipation. Life moving as content within the larger spaciousness of our awareness. And this is what we notice. And as the bell rings, what we affirm that we've noticed, or what we affirm we realize is always and already present. As we together chant the verse of the robe, Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all beings. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, 
I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Good to see people are still arriving. It's a busy day out there. And a good reason to sit quietly and steadily with each other. Uh, kind of a returning home <clears throat> each week. Uh, as many of you know, simply because of the culture in which we are embedded, uh, last week was uh, Holy Week in the Christian tradition. And uh, most of us who live in the United States or even in the UK and Europe know that this becomes also a social occasion or in our culture, um, larger than just simply uh, the church. It infuses things just like uh, Christmas or uh, other holidays, which were originally um, religious holidays, but became something something more. And I'd like to use a story, uh, a deep, profound teaching story from this tradition, but not one that you might expect. Uh, not the crucifixion and not the resurrection, but something prior to those moments. when the figure of Jesus goes into the Garden of Gethsemane with his, uh, some spiritual friends, with his disciples. Um, and I'll, I'll say also that it's interesting how many people sometimes will have reactions uh, to a Christian wisdom teaching um, when it's supposedly uh, a Buddhist uh, teaching. And I think because so many of us carry baggage uh, from the past, that sometimes it gets a little uh, uh, complicated. But we use wisdom stories from Rumi, who's a Sufi, and uh, from rabbis in the Jewish tradition, from Islam. Uh, we use wisdom stories from every tradition. And this is one, I think, that, that bears uh, attention. And for those of you that don't know, uh, and many of you who, who know, but maybe haven't revisited the story just briefly. Um, it's at a point when things are about to turn really bad uh, for Jesus. And he goes, he finds a garden in which to go and to, to sit together like we just did to pray. And he asked three of his friends, his spiritual friends, uh, often called disciples in the, in the scriptures, to accompany him. As he, wants not, he didn't want to sit alone. He wants to sit with others like we're doing. And he asked them to stay awake. It's night. 
to stay awake and really be attentive, to pray with him. This is the quiet before the storm that's to come, his arrest, his murder. And he actually admits that he's quite sad and feeling vulnerable. He says in one of the translations he fears that he might be as if he's going to be dying. And it seems to me in this story, like many of us, when we meet a difficult time, even Jesus here gives in to the weight of his grief. And he asks, is he really going to have to do what's coming? Really? Is this necessary? <clears throat> and it says in some of the some of the translations that he prayed so hard, it said that as if he was sweating blood. And when he turned to his friends who were sitting with him, he found that they had fallen asleep. In fact, there's a famous line, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. <laughs> uh, and he finally rests in the knowledge that his personal will his own desires, his attachments, and his aversions uh, are not what will prevail. What will prevail are the causes and conditions that naturally unfold, which are vast and deep and beyond his own um, control, just like ours. That our lives are directed by causes and conditions which are vast and deep and sometimes outside of our control. And so we come together and sit together and we ask our friends to come and sit together and hope that they'll stay awake, both literally and metaphorically with us as we attempt to stay awake. So there are many ways to tell this story. I'm telling it maybe a little differently than the way I learned it in Sunday school, but this story is so powerful, I think, and so universal that it goes beyond, um, it doesn't require a belief in something, nor does it deny a belief one might have in this story and this person and this figure. It's fine to believe that deeply, but it's also fine if you don't, to find the way that this story speaks to us. Because either way, it speaks to something deeply moving and powerfully necessary in the life of spirit. And I'll, I'll share what I think those things are, but first I will, uh, with some embarrassment and apology, <laughs> oh my goodness, we're going to have to call on Mary Oliver once again. Uh, this was sent to me. I'd not heard it before, actually. This was sent to me by, uh, by one, of, one of us, one of our students, and uh, Mary Oliver entitled it Gethsemane. So listen to her reflection. The grass, the grass never sleeps, or the roses, nor does the lily have a secret eye that shuts until morning. Jesus said, wait with me. But the disciples slept. The cricket has such a splendid fringe on its feet. And it sings. Have you noticed? 
with its whole body. And heaven knows if it ever sleeps. And Jesus said, wait with me. And maybe the stars did. Maybe the wind wound itself into a silver tree and didn't move. Maybe the lake far away, where once he walked, is on a blue pavement. Lay still and waited. Wild awake. Oh, the dear bodies slumped and eye shut that could not keep the, vi the vigil. How they must have wept so utterly human, knowing this too must be a part of the story. The grass never sleeps or the roses, nor does the lily have a secret eye that shuts until morning. And Jesus said, wait with me. But the disciples slept. The crickets have such splendid fringe on its feet. It sings, have you noticed, with its whole body. And heaven knows if it ever sleeps. And Jesus said, wait with me. And maybe the stars did. Maybe the wind winding itself around the silver tree and didn't move. Maybe the lake far away, where once he walked as on a blue pavement, lay still and waited, wild awake. Oh, the dear bodies slumped and shut eye that could not keep that vigil. How they must have wept, so utterly human, knowing this too must be a part of the story. Nature, the rose, the grass, the cricket, the wind, the stars, nature, the entire universe, is offering itself to you, is waiting, is awake. It's offering itself to you always, eternal and inevitable. This may be why we find that we need to name this immense grace and this benevolent generosity and call it God. But whether we name it or not, it's given. No matter where we believe in something or not, it's still given. Nothing, nothing is withheld. Life flows on according to the incalculable relationships among all the causes and conditions. We chant in our repentance chant that we, we don't do so much in inquiry. From beginningless, from beginningless, greed, hate, and delusion, all our tangled and twisted karma, grasping, aversion, confusion, which has no beginning and has no end, this great matter of birth and death, we live one, one breath at a time. In, in Mary Oliver's little piece, she says twice, Jesus said, wait with me. That's what the bell says when we ring it each time. It says, sit, wait with me, stay awake. Sit deeply, 
But how many of us uh, fall asleep? I certainly do many times in retreat. I'll do what I laughingly call nada yoga, where you, you know, you're sitting, but you, you, you fall asleep. It's hard, isn't it? Sometimes to stay, and it's not simply because I'm sleepy. I think because it's challenging. Because I move so fast and do so many things in the ordinary world that when I stop, my body thinks, oh, it must be time to sleep. If I've stopped. The great first generation Japanese teacher, Koben Chino Roshin, once wrote that when we go to Sashin or an intensive retreat and people ask us, what are you doing? Where are you going to, the, to an intensive if you're honest, you say, I'm going to die. But if you say that, they can't let you go. They have to stop you. And so instead you say, well, I'm going to go sit and meditate. And of course, we're not going to die literally, but we do die too. Just like Jesus did in the story, he, he gave up on his will and let himself sink into the causes and conditions not without attention, not without effort, not without a willingness to meet what was there, but to give in to the grief and to give in to the joy of the whole process. We're going to sit. And we sit with others in a retreat like we do here because we depend on each other to help us through. We need, we need friends. That's why Jesus asked the three disciples to accompany him. Sometimes we need each other just to manage sitting through a five-minute sitting period like we do in the beginning of inquiry. Or longer periods during a meditative retreat, uh, an intensive. And we depend on each other in order to negotiate our whole life. And in that life, we're going to experience um, pain or fear, sadness, joy, great successes, everything else. And all of that isn't a mistake. It's the abundant truth of a full embodied life pouring out. And the way that we separate ourselves out from it makes it seem very personal. But it's not. Completely. And there are times when we have to face a problem or we just simply sit in a long meditation retreat and it feels like we're sweating blood. But our willingness and our aspiration to meet our own human frailty and vulnerability when we do is actually the accompaniment we require. As long as we turn away from our frailty and vulnerability, if we don't find our willingness and our aspiration to meet what's there, if we can't walk into the garden and say with some friends, sit with me, I'm going to have to face some things here that I don't want to happen, but they are going to happen because this is the way life goes. Turning towards this frailty and vulnerability is what's required. 
That's the accompaniment. Because there's no escape. We know how this turns out. And our journey goes much, much better if we do it together. If we can stay awake to each other and for each other in support of each other, if we're intimate and kind, if we're somewhat patient and steady, knowing full well the outcome, just as Jesus did. So these are the things that came to me as I, as I thought about the story of Gethsemane and the universal quality of that teaching and the beautiful way that Mary Oliver, of course, is always embeds it in nature, reminding us that the whole world is offering itself to us. And we are part of that world. And at the end of her piece, it says, Oh, the dear bodies slumped and eyes shut that could not keep that vigil. How they must have wept so utterly human, knowing this too must be a part of the story. Everything is part of the story, including what we may consider our failures. But it's just simply our vulnerabilities and the difficulties. Include them. It's not a matter of, uh, of shame. It's a matter of something to be intimate with. And what we are doing is preparing ourselves to be with each other to the end. What you've heard me say, and you've heard, all, I'm sure, other places, Ram Das saying that we're walking each other home. We're accompanying each other. And if you don't mind, I, I want to read another a poem to, to complete. It's, it's a little bit longer. It's almost like a small story. It's maybe a page long. It's not terribly long. But I quite like it because it's ordinary. And it's, um, it includes the, the teachings uh, of how crucial it is for us to accompany each other, knowing not knowing who will go first. There's a way that we think things should go. Grandparents before parents, parents before their children, but it doesn't always go that way. And this is a, a poem by American poet Dick Allen entitled, If You Get There Before I Do. So just let yourself follow along in the story. Don't worry about too much understanding. Air out the linens, unlatch the shutters on the eastern side, and maybe find that deck of bicycle cards lost near the sofa. Or maybe walk around and look out the back windows first. I hear the views magnificent. Old silent pines leading down to the lakeside, layer upon layer of magnificent light. Uh, should you be hungry, I'm sorry, but there's no Chinese takeout. Only a general store. You, you passed it coming in, but you probably didn't notice it's one weary gas pump, along with all those SO cans from decades ago. If you're somewhat confused, think Vermont, that state where people are folded into the mountains like berries and batter. What I'd like when I get there 
is a few hundred years to sit around and concentrate on one thing at a time. What I'd like when I get there is a few hundred years to sit around and concentrate on one thing at a time. I'd start with radiators and work my way up to Meister Eckhart. Or why do so few people turn their lives around? So many take small steps and what they never do, the first weeks, the first lessons, until they choose something other, beginning and beginning their lives. So never knowing what it's like to risk last-minute failure. I'd save blue for last, Klein blue, or the blue of Crater Lake on an early June morning. That would take decades. And don't forget to sway the fence gate back and forth a few times for its creaky sound. When you swing in the tire swing, make sure your socks are off. You've forgotten, I expect, the feeling of feet brushing the tops of sunflowers. In Vermont, I once met a ski bomb on a summer break who had followed the snows for seven years and planned, it planned on at least seven more. We're here for the enjoyment of it, he said, to salam, that great Arabic greeting of peace, to salam and to joy. I expect you'll find Bibles scattered everywhere, or Talmuds, or Korans, as well as other little snippets of gospel music, chants, old Advent calendars with their paper doors still open. You might pay them some heed. Don't be alarmed when there's when what's familiar starts fading as gradually you lose your bearings. Your body seems to turn opaque and then transparent. Don't be alarmed when what's familiar starts fading as gradually you lose your bearings. Your body seems to turn opaque and then transparent until finally it's invisible. What old age rehearses us for. Vacations in the limbo of the Middle West. Take it easy. Take it slow. And when you think I'm on my way, the long middle passage done, fill the pantry with cereal, curry, the blue and white boxes of macaroni, Place the checkerboard, or chess if you insist, out on the flat top stump near the porch's shadow. Pour some lemonade into the tallest glass you can find in the cupboard, then drum your fingers. Practice lifting your eyebrows until you tell them all. The skeptics, the bigots, blind neighbors, those damned with faint praise critics on their hobby horses that... I'm allowed. And if there's a place for me that love has kept protected, if there's a place for me that love has kept protected, I'll be coming. I'll be coming too. It takes a lot. To accompany someone in a whole life. Sometimes just as a a friend, maybe you don't spend too much time with or 
as someone like a, a partner. Uh, I, I see my mother right now in nearly 70 years with my father and then, then one year without him. He arrived there first. But we spent all those years getting everything prepared, you know. <clears throat> or do we have the willingness to sit with each other, to accompany each other, to keep our eyes open and to help each other when we fall asleep, gently, kindly, lovingly? That beautiful line at the end of the poem, if, <clears throat> if there's a place for me that love has kept protected, Isn't that what we're doing when we sit? If there's a place for me that love is kept protected, I'll be there. <clears throat> so please um, raise your hand if you'd like to arrive. I've been preparing things. <laughs> and I'd love to meet you. If you have questions or things you'd like to speak about. Let's, let's meet. We've found a, a little garden to walk into. That's what we do when we come together on these days. And you don't know with all those faces on the screen which ones are facing something that they're about to have to deal with. John? Uh, talking about uh, being together, uh, I've been very fortunate. I was uh, online with a church group on Sunday, had a format similar to this uh, of an hour of worship service and then a half hour of people uh, talking with each other in small groups. And somebody mentioned how hard it is for people who live alone during this time. Mm -hmm. and, my, and in fact, it is a uh, communion service. And so they talked about sitting around and eating supper with each other. And so I you know, brought my food bar, ate with the group. And uh, then in fact, again, on Saturday night, every Saturday night, my son in Minnesota gets together with his family and those of us in Austin, and we sit around and have supper together. Mm -hmm. And so I don't even know if I wanna say that I live alone because I have that connection with uh, with you and the rest of the our sangha uh, supporting me and with my son and his family all supporting each other. And then with college classmates once every other week. So it, anyway, I really appreciate all the support that is uh, given to me by us, you know, being together uh, again, this group and the church group and the family group and the college classmates group. So I almost don't want to say that I live alone. You found some wonderful ways to enjoy communion. Yes, good point. Well said. And one of the things that's that communion points to is one little piece that is important, which is embodiment. That the blood and the body of Christ that we can do these things uh, this way, which for which I have great. Um, joy and uh, gratitude, like you're saying, John, and I think it's worth, and it's also nice when we can actually touch, and there can be a body close close by, but boy, how we've, we've opened something that I hope won't be closed with these 
the kind of sessions where we can connect and be more at ease connecting in this way. So thank you for noting that and celebrating it and underscoring it. Yes, I hope we'll continue to. Yeah, it's a beautiful way of uh, enjoying communion. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mm, thank you. You you talked about grasping and aversion. I've spent a good part of my early life grasping. Um, and several years ago, I went broke. And, and then I came to Appamada and I find now I'm 65, I'm in a very precarious position financially, but I have no desire to participate in the world of, as I used to, I built homes and I was a real estate broker and it always seemed about money and I, and it means so little to me now that I have so little of it. And I'm, I'm afraid, but yet my internal life, I meditate and I do yoga and I come to Sangha and I have some community of friends and I dance with joy <laughs> to beautiful Hindu Sanskrit chants that I learned in yoga and it frees me as this frees me and I'm so divided because I have to live with one foot in this world that requires me to pay the rent. Mm -hmm. And I'm just struggling because my heart wants to just sit and Well, David, withdrawing from the world doesn't feed you or take care of your medical costs and things like that. Withdrawing is not helpful. And being grasping and joining in to the uh, seductive enchantment of you know what you used to be in doesn't help either. The Buddha called it the middle way. How can you balance? And that's what your dance and your yoga and everything else is pointing to. What's the middle way of balance? Where you take good care of yourself and so you don't collapse into despair or even a victim position. And you don't spin out into some in enchantment of uh, uh, supposed, quote, success, you know, that, that takes you away from something more intimate. There are two ditches, but going from one to the other doesn't help. But find the middle way how to balance that, how to take really good care of yourself, um, because that's, that's your responsibility for your life, and not losing yourself in the way that you take care of yourself. You can do that. 
You're a smart guy. You've had a lot of successes. You know how to do it. I've lost 40 pounds dancing and doing yoga in the last year. Well, there's a recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel physically much better and stronger mm -hmm. um, because I feel like I, I have to go out and, and work. And it's I'm struggling with work because I can't seem to find something satisfying for me yeah, to do. Struggle. What do you really want right now? I want to I want to help. No, right people. here now. Now here in I, this moment. I don't know. I just want to be understood. I guess That's, there you go. Yeah, I do. I, yeah, and I and I and I I'm. A, I'm just, I'm a little ashamed of where I find myself in my life at this point where I should be, my friends are retiring and they're comfortable and, and I'm, I'm not, and I'm, and I Causes feel- and conditions are different for each person. And our, our practice is the practice of saying, and how can we meet this? exactly what Jesus was doing in the garden. He said, seriously, I'm 33 years old and this is what's going to happen? I've got to do this? That's a bit agony coming, you know. And his answer from the universe was, yeah, that's what's required. This is what you're going to do. And he said, okay. And so we do, it's a little dramatic, you know, but we do what we have to do based on what we have. Uh, we hope it would go differently. We wish it would go differently. And we can kind of root for each other. I wish you didn't have this struggle. But I have confidence that you can meet it if you don't get so wrapped up in what you're clinging to and the way you think it should be or should have been or how it's going. You can get so lost in your own narrative. You have a new kind of intoxication, a new enchantment. Saying, this is what I have. What can I do with it? And you're, you're, you're drawing on good resources, you know, your practices. But I hear that it's important for you if you're going to take that step forward to be understood. Yes, and I have love around me. I yep. have support, and um, and I'm trying to have courage. Good. And, <laughs> and, and with that courage and with that support, you can meet the one in you that carries the shame, so he doesn't lead you. If you feel you said you had shame, I want you to know that I heard that yes. you understood. You don't want that to be the part that leads you, but you can take care of that part. You have the accompaniment of good friends and love around. So take take our care. There's all these people that are witnessing you right now, all these people that are hearing your story, many of whom I'm sure echo or can resonate with at least some of the things that you're struggling with. So so take that with you so you feel less alone. And more deeply understood. Thank you. The universal kind of pains that we have. You know, in the story, it, it talked about Jesus giving in to his grief and his vulnerability. And that's some of what, for example, David is showing and, and others. <clears throat> is it allows you then to go ahead instead of be stopped. And that's what our practice supports us in. Surely there must be other questions or concerns or things that you want to meet about. 
It's okay to walk into the garden. Richie. Hi, am I? Hi. Hello. How are you? Doing well, thank you. How about you? I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to say thanks for what you said last week as well, because I, I find that really helpful. Oh yeah, what I, I said many things last week. <laughs> <laughs> well, just, well, I just felt like I was a bit useless, you know, and I didn't really have anything to offer. And you just encouraged me just to keep sitting with people, yeah. and, and, and that was enough. And that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's uh, it's like the request is like, just come on and sit with me. Just stay awake. Just just yeah. be with me. You know, it's enough. It's pretty good. Or like in that second poem, just hang out and open the space of love so I can arrive. And in the process, and in the, in the meantime, everyone will be doing that for you, holding that space of love so you can arrive, not to do something, just to be together. Sitting in silence. Yeah, yeah, sometimes it's in silence, and that's a pretty good place to start. I noticed that this morning when I was sitting and... I was looking at everyone and we were all, it just felt like we're all in these different parts of the world and we're all just, just holding it, you know, in silence. Mm -hmm. it's a, I think of it sometimes as this beautiful web or network mm. you know, all around the, the globe holding each other. It's a nice thing. Yeah. It's thing. Thanks for um, showing us your smile today and letting us hear your voice. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> it's good to, you know, come up out of the silence and connect. And then, yeah, I, I get a bit terrified doing that, I have to say. I, I kind of wait for everyone else to put their hand up, and then I think, oh, well, I love it. Richie, that's, that's why I'm encouraging you because um, we all carry whatever anxieties we have. And, and uh, to step forward and actually come, come forward and be met is what's required. It's, you know, from your history and your life, it's easy to, uh, step away or you know stay quiet or on your own your 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 edge is to come forward yeah. and so we offer this ability to uh go down to the little uh, reaction button down there with the little smiley face and click on it and you can raise your <laughs> hand you know yeah yeah so thanks you're great thanks <laughs> thank you take care man. have a good day or good thank evening you. <laughs> yeah it is evening yeah, yeah. Uh, evening. David? I think we is David next? Yeah. Hi. Hi. Uh, I was thinking about the the story about Gethsemane and particularly the you know Christ knowing having a pretty good idea of what's going to happen. And does he really have to do this? And he, he like it's really facing the reality of that. Mm -hmm. And I think I was just linking that one of the things I struggle with is that I think the term is catastrophize. So, you know, I have a small ache and I go to fatal terminal disease without mm -hmm. uh, and I get in a panic and then it kind of goes away. And, and I think I've always thought, well, like I'm facing up to stuff. And I, I had the thought that actually I'm not. Mm -hmm. I'm, by having this sort of elaborate 
terminal fantasy and, and you know getting panicky and then it goes away then I can forget all about it I actually don't face what the reality is which mainly is fairly mundane like sometimes it is tragic mostly it's not but I'm not actually looking at what is mm -hmm. so like my acceptance of it is actually like I, I've kind of always thought that well at least I'm, I'm facing the potential serious consequences but much of life doesn't have you know serious consequences and I, so I yeah it just I just realized that actually that it actually it's a distraction it's not actually yeah. up to what is and it's a it's a kind of a repetitive rehearsal mm. of a way that you navigate your fears because mm. you kind of know how it goes now mm. yeah and so just we'll enter that we'll do that again and we'll come to the end it'll feel better but ha has anything really woke up in that has anything really changed but to stay curious and go hmm well you never know let's see let's wait instead of going to the extravagant elaboration as you called it just what's the sensation what am i actually feeling let's just wait and see do you have that kind of courage that's that's the real courage not to take it to the extreme and face something awful but to actually wait and touch more gently yeah so good awareness we'll see where it leads you maybe there'll be more <laughs> thanks uh, Penelope it's it's my there turn <laughs> um can you hear me I yeah okay uh I just wanted to express my gratitude over and over for this wonderful opportunity to be together on the inquiry days and just like like for instance it's such a gift to hear like david's heartfelt expressions i don't know david but now i do and so every morning when i do my meditation you know we say that part where it's a a shared meditation and so everybody who comes across my consciousness like david now will always be there so or whoever else richie or rosemary or you know any any of the other faces on this it is this tribe we have that you know we come and it's just a, the high point of my week you know I, I look forward to this because like several people have said that you can contemplate on the things the lessons you've given the week before and it does wake you up to things that you know we have our blinders on and then all of a sudden we can see just a tiny, you know, it's like that Johari window. We can't ever see that part of ourselves, but they're, they're always new parts that are changing and that we can meditate on and know that we have the support of the other people through this international sangha. Yeah, that are sitting with us awake. Yes, I just wanted to, express my gratitude for that good good and i, I hope that uh, the the story of gethsemane will always be more alive for you well for one thing i've never you know as someone who loves botany i just started thinking about that for the first time in my life i thought about the garden of gethsemane as a real place like you know i it was just like it's just like a tagline the garden of gethsemane but now i've started envisioning what were the plants like in there what was it really like in there 
were they sleeping on rocks? I always envision them kind of on rocks and cedar trees or something. So yeah, it's Olive Garden. Yeah. So, okay. So now, you know, it, it starts having a fullness. Whenever you start good. setting things, it starts putting in the details. Good, good. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Rosemary? Rosemary. You're on. I'm on. Okay, hi. Uh, this is really um, quick. And um, before we, uh, you started speaking your talk and we were sitting together, um, I, okay, for the first time, sorry. Yeah, take your time. I started reading everybody's name. Ah. Uh. That was first. And then, um, that's an entire service right there. Exactly. And then visually, it was like a quilt. Mm -hmm. And then I realized I was a piece of the quilt. Yes. And, and then we chanted, vast is the road. I hadn't road. thought of that part. That's true. That's so true. Because that's what we're seeing. That's what we're part of. Our voice is coming into it, out of it, through it. Yeah, it was the first time that yeah, the the computer and whatever we're doing here wasn't in the way for me. Yes, yes, and that's the place of of love that's been kept protected. This is what Penelope was giving gratitude for. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So thank you. And saying people's names and looking at them is like i said that's an entire spiritual practice right there yeah yeah it was just thank you for reminding us of that well, thank you for everything yes absolutely thanks for your wholehearted participation thank you <laughs> yeah and susan there you are um i wanted to uh thank you for two things. One, when you finished uh, telling the story of the garden, you didn't end with the line that always zings in for me, um, uh, who learned this as a child, and that was the guilt cruncher. Um, could you not spend one hour or two hours with me and stay awake? That always was there. And instead, you substituted the beautiful Mary Oliver poem that says, um, falling asleep too must be part of the story yes. and that um so that liberating it just it, it opened it up in so many different ways and i realized that um part of me doesn't dare go into the garden other people's gardens because i'm afraid i will fall asleep and i don't invite other people into mine because i'm disappointed when they won't stay awake yeah and for you to um, embellish or, or add and delete <laughs> the guilt part and open it to that was a true Easter gift. Thank you so much. It's, it was for me. I've had enough of the guilt. And yet the story does, has no less power. Right. The guilt's exactly. not required. Yeah. 
it, it, to make the falling asleep part of the story is uh, just wonderful. It's all part of the story, and we're all part of the story. Thanks. Thanks, Susan. Uh -huh. And Efrat, I can we get one more in here. Is it a lovely day in Madison? Because I'm on my phone. Ah. And I'm on in my little garden. I'm actually sitting right on the lake and just looking out at the open water and listening uh, to the waves. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm tempted to try walking, but we'll see later. I uh, listened to the story and last week was also Passover and I thought for the first time I, I got the death and resurrection that was the same. It's the same theme. And you go into the desert with your people, you pass through you know, the sea parts and you come through and you're in a place of not knowing, utterly not knowing. Yes. And there's nothing there for you to know because that's the point. The point yep. is in order to move from being a slave to being free, you have to not know. And you, you have to relinquish uh, not only possessions, but really that basic kind of routine. And it's like this. Yeah, um, yeah even identity. Exactly. But everybody did it together. It was a collective experience by definition. Uh, and so I thought about that as sort of a difference in the story, uh, but also that it took 40 years. It took a long time for that process. It was not just a few hours in the garden. And all of these belong to the bigger story of, you know, how do we move yeah. from one place to another and arrive ready? You know, yes. the arriving ready um, is really what it's about. <laughs> and Passover so, so important as a, a description of that journey. Uh, yeah, you want to come to your promised land, you have to come ready. You, you can't just move from here to there and assume it's all going to be pro the promised land. Yeah. So, yeah. So I just wanted to Thank throw you. in these uh, other other illusions and see it as a whole and i appreciate it thank you so much hello from the open lake oh the garden here yeah the garden yeah and if some of you didn't see it uh, it's time for us to end i think it's important for the message that uh peg just put in the chat um she she makes it an important point that jesus comments may not be so much guilt inducing but a reflection of the deep sadness and sense of being truly alone that sometimes comes with being the teacher. That sometimes uh, in some situations we can feel an aloneness that, uh, and all the time we're asking. Like when I finish speaking and there's that long space and then people crowd in the end, it's like, come on. <laughs> it's an important thing. So let's... Um, Enjoy the chanting of our, the four practice principles that help us remember our, our deep practice. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher.
being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Thank you for your participation. And please enjoy uh, stepping into the next section if you'd like to hang out with people and speak like John was talking about. Uh, it's, it's wonderful to meet, uh, meet others. And I will, <clears throat> I will say, um, this is not trying to um, uh, preempt Maria, but I just wanted to add my own um, gratitude for those of you that support our, our programs by your donations. Uh, it helps pay for things like Zoom and keep us going and the things that have to happen even though we're, we're not close. And it supports those of us who are teachers. We appreciate it immensely. Um, so thank you. Thank you for, for your support. As Flint just said, um, Appamada's programs and facilities are supported through your generosity. Your support makes a huge difference. There is a link for contributions on the website at appamada.org forward slash contribute. Thank you so much, everybody. And we now move on to the next part of our well, morning, afternoon, evening, our next offering, which is where we all meet on the virtual porch, which is right here. So if you just stay in this room, in this Zoom room, um, we continue to meet and share. So thank you.